What's up, film fans, and welcome to another episode of What the Flick, the podcast where you send us the poster and we write the movie. I'm Matt. And I am Mark. And we are the poster boys, which I should have said earlier. <laughs> and... uh, it's fine, it's fine. Pour through, pour through. <laughs> Today we're asking the question what the hell happens in Gone with the Wind? Theme tune. What the flick, what the flick, we don't know what a movie is Gonna tell you what we think it's about With the help of the poster, we'll be getting out What the flick, what the flick, gonna write a film that already exists We'll be doing it better cause we're so cool And back to two years up in school What the flick, what the flick, we're never gonna watch that shit Got better writers than Steven Spielberg Film directors are all done What the flick, what the flick, that's the name of the podcast It's almost time to make some noise It's time for the poster boys, so what the flick No one has sent us a single poster Because we haven't released any of these <laughs> No, we did sort of <laughs> <laughs> we're we buried the lead a bit on that and mm. it's mm. i think it's time that we here's the thing because we've been doing classic movies so far really and probably will continue to do so because it turns out neither me nor mac have seen a film no is that fair to say i've not seen godfather i've not seen goodfellas i've not seen gone with the wind but i have seen most of darman's back catalog so yeah you know i'm getting content that's the main thing that is, the, yeah, that's, that's... Um, you, you look me in the eyes and tell me that Orson Welles is a greater content creator than former landlord and housing executive Darman. Yeah, and frequent prison inmate, <laughs> Darman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't seen Casablanca, but I have seen End of Days more than four times. <laughs> I, think the, I think this is a good game to play. Apocalyptic... Uh, Christian horror starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think this is a better game than the, the actual make of the movie. I've not seen 12 Angry Men, but I have seen Look Who's Talking To many times. <laughs> 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 trying to think of some classic films, though. No, I'm trying to think of movies that I've seen. I've not seen two of the three Lord of the Rings films, but I have seen all the spoofs of them done by the Scary Movie cast. <laughs> 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 I've not seen Dog Day Afternoon, but I have seen Tropic Thunder many times. Not recently. Tropic Thunder? That's one of those ones where I'm like, I would take that to Hey, I Love That Movie, podcast of friend of the show, Dan Faulkner, and Helena and Mike, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I fear, I fear that I fear to make people watch that because I remember what Robert Downey Jr. did in that movie. Yeah. That's weird that no one brings it up, right? Yeah, right? It's weird that no one is like, eh. That everyone was just kind of like, sure, that's fine. And Ben Stiller with his simple Jack character. Yeah. Uh, I, I, and I understand that it's supposed to be a parody of the industry, but yeah. Yeah, they did just kind of do the, th the stuff that they were parodying, you know? Yeah, because I was going to say, it's a parody of the industry, but then they do have a lot of cutaway gags where it shows you the things that they are making, or yeah, you have yeah. just made them. It would be different if you were like, hey, do you, like Robert Downey Jr.'s character did blackface for a film, but then to actually just cut to him in blackface well, for just, just to have the remainder of the film. Yeah, 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 yeah. If it was a throwaway gag, I don't know. Anyway, point is, Tom Cruise in a fat suit is very good. <laughs> oh, and the also, there's a trailer in that where Tobey Maguire plays a gay priest, and I would watch that film. Eh, is that the film? Am I, am I, is that the film where Machete came from? Because there's no, no film you're that thinking has like a of, fake. Um, Grindhouse. Oh, yeah. It's got a like Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez double feature where yeah. Rodriguez made Planet Terror, um, yeah. where the lead character has a uh assault rifle instead of a leg <laughs> it's a stripper the lead character's a stripper whose leg is an assault rifle and yeah. quentin tarantino made death proof a movie about kurt russell murdering women with a car man truly some visionaries of our time yeah do you think do you think um rodriguez was angry at tarantino and was like i'm gonna put half the amount of fate on this stripper as normal Oh, maybe, yeah, because yeah. Quentin loves his feet. We know that. Yeah, he does. We don't know about movies, but we do know that. <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny that my one Tarantino reference for maybe the last year of cinema was actually watching a Darman video when some kids opened a pizza box and a light came on and I shouted, they're pulp fictioning the pizza. <laughs> they're pulp fictioning the pizza. And they were. Yeah. 
Anyway, anyway the point of all of the upshot of all this is that um, we're not when we're not really asking people for posters. <laughs> we're yeah. just doing classic films that we haven't seen because we're hoping to annoy some film fans. Um, yeah. And we might ask for posters later on down the line when we're actually like live on the internet or we might not we might just go on and do other stuff we were thinking about doing sequels or marvel movies or a bunch yeah the point is the intro is probably going to change and that doesn't matter to you and if it does it shouldn't (laughs) but we are going to say it we just said so you can send posters you can but we don't need them anymore we're not yeah, going to be exactly. da- dagging you for posters is what we're trying to say. Yeah. Name name classic films. What are the classic films that you love that we can ruin for you? Oh, I remember the joke I was going to make before my computer froze. Go for it. Um, I need a, I need a classic film now, but I was trying to think what was the funny thing I was going to say. Um, I'll just use this one since we're about to do it. I've not seen Gone with the Wind, but I have seen One Night in Paris. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. Just wanted to really close that circle off because it have been bothering me the whole rest of the nice. recording if I Yeah, hadn't. and that's what we call in comedy circles a callback. Yeah. Is it a callback if I've spent the last 10 minutes just staring at the roof? It is for me and for the audience who aren't yeah. in your mind. Yeah. In your mind uh, palace that's just got <laughs> completely blank walls. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you wander through it. Lost. No, it's it's like one big um, like filing cabinet and it just has every folder says the joke I was about to say, but it's every joke I've ever forgotten. And all of them are labeled the exact same thing, so I'm trying to go yeah, through it. Yeah, and it's got like that thing one. in dreams where you open a book and you can't read it because you can't read in dreams. Yeah. They're all like hieroglyphs or runes or something. Yeah, and then it's and then even though you can't read any of them, still like in that Twilight Zone episode, your glasses fall off and smash on the floor. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, no, there was time now. <laughs> in my mind palace of nonsense books. I went to get my eyes tested last week and the woman said to me, um, can you read the top row? And this was the start of my eye test and I yeah. couldn't. <laughs> the woman yeah, it's said, pretty bad. The hey? woman said, you can't read any of those. I said, I think the first one's an A, and she went, you should really be wearing your glasses. And I know everyone else isn't on the Zoom or on the call, Matt, but can you tell what I'm not currently wearing? I can, because I am wearing my glasses. <laughs> Although I will say, uh, I was driving um, back from a gig uh, one evening, mm-hmm. and the person I was driving with in the passenger seat pointed out a funny number plate. Yeah. Uh, and I looked and I couldn't read it and it was maybe 20 feet away. Oh dear. You need to get, you need to double those glasses, baby. So it's possible <laughs> I need to put on my spare pair of glasses over my normal pair of glasses. Yeah. There, <laughs> I do know a man. I do know a man who wears two pairs of glasses, just one on top of the other. Uh, why? I don't know why, <laughs> but he does. It's uh, like the lower pair not have glass in it but the outer pair is like the do have glass in them but they don't look as nice or something i don't know i mean maybe like if you put maybe one's like a thin pair and one's a wide pair and if you put them together you kind of get very focals maybe maybe it's just for zooming do you know what i mean like maybe it's just for like being honest he's a sniper but he doesn't have a scope so he just puts the second uh-huh. pair on and they're just real real close <laughs> Yeah, he's got absolutely no depth perception. He's doing but real life three sixty no scopes, but he's cheating because of his glasses. Yeah. Imagine you had such powerful glasses; it was like a microscope, but you obviously had to like just unshutter them constantly to look at anything normally. Like you're just wearing like sixteen pairs on a big rig, and just like, yeah. I think it would be good, like because you know how opticians have those sort of big headsets that they put on. They go number one, number two. Yeah, if it was like that, but. In you know, you had different levels of magnification and then sunglasses right on the end. <laughs> yeah, she's like number one, number two, then she put and what about number three? And she just looks, she goes, You look real cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, Thanks. Like, the, li- the lights are off in here and you're still wearing sunglasses. Pretty sick. Hell <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Number yeah, fun. and number four is just a cigarette that like snaps down into your I mouth. Could- how good would it be if you had to do, get your eyes tested and they did make you put on sunglasses and just on the sheet then the tick whether you looked cool or not? <laughs> and I was like, go <laughs> out like tell your parents, I'm very sorry, Mr. and Mrs. Mac. Yeah, he's uh, got a mild astigmatism and he looks like a fucking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> 
have terrible news. The only sunglasses he'll ever wear are those sport ones that wrap around their oh, head. Oh no, God! Imagine being diagnosed as an Oakley's cunt. Oh, or he's gonna wear aviators, unironically. <laughs> <laughs> like real reflective ones not black ones you know yeah I mean? yeah like, yeah no yeah. he's yeah he's gonna wear he's never been skiing but he's got seven pairs of those ones that are like uh what's the word they like chromated you know they've yeah. got the sort of multiple colors across the wraparound shades matt do you know what i found last week just on this uh topic i found yeah. a picture of me when i was like 16 out with my friends and do you know what i had in my head what did you have on your head goggles <laughs> huh like steampunk goggles or like no, swimming goggles? Like, like I'd been watching Digimon and was like, they're wearing goggles. Maybe I could get away with that. Maybe you, I feel like you could get away with wearing goggles. No. No. no? <laughs> <laughs> maybe now. Maybe now as an older and a wiser man, you could. Yeah. But the thing is, right, in Digimon, crucially, people who are wearing goggles are also wearing quite a loud outfit. Yeah. To accept yeah, the goggles are kind of an accentuation. You need to you accessorize mean? the goggles, that's for sure. Yeah, I was wearing a green hoodie and tracksuit bottoms and Converse and goggles. Oh, <laughs> I wore a lot of brown in my teenage years, but there's one specific photo that I have of me. Um and I, I also had like um I picked up this like wool kind of wool overcoat. Mm-hmm. From a charity shop one day that was like quite, it was a yeah, very good quality, heavy overcoat. And I picked it up for like a tenner. And it was, it was, you know, it was an overcoat that was supposed to go over like a suit, right? It's a formal <laughs> yeah. overcoat that I would just put on with like a t-shirt and jeans. Yeah, nice. And there's one specific poster, a picture of me rather with uh, just like for a walk with the dog, you know? And yeah. I've got quite baggy jeans on mm. and a brown like t-shirt that's like a t-shirt and then it's got like the long sleeves coming out from under it that they're just ah, so yes. yes um yes. and this formal over formal wool overcoat and then like a wide-brimmed fedora <laughs> oh oh and that's how i used to dress i, just, I was gonna say this is a, a, a real i've taxi two points but the real sad point is i went to my friend's stag do like 20 16 maybe 2016 2017 so i'd have been 26 or 27 at the stag dude. yeah and that was the first time in my life i was like hey maybe i should start trying to make an effort <laughs> <laughs> and like i was on a stag dude and i generally was like i don't know what to wear for a night out because i just hadn't been on so long and i literally am just wearing jeans a t-shirt and a blazer and i'm like i literally look like i'm in a in landfill indie band like that's what i looked like but it was 2017 <laughs> i looked like i was a band that played on soccer am all the time and not a good one do you know what I mean like it was real upsetting but the other point i wanted to make quickly was one of my friend's weddings there was a man sat opposite us at a table who i didn't really know very well but had met before by all accounts a very nice man but he was wearing the most incredibly over-the-top tweed suit you'd ever seen in your life mm-hmm. like i mean like this man looked like he his toilet paper would have been tweed like it was mad yeah um and my brother was like, Marty, that's a very nice suit. And he looked over his glasses and he said, you know, on my 18th birthday, my mother gave me a copy of The Gentleman's Guide. And in The Gentleman's Guide, it said that you should not wear tweed until you're 30 years old. But when I reached 24, I simply couldn't wait. <laughs> See, now, yeah, I, I got I got a lot of like, there's a bit of me that's like, I'm, I've got a jealousy for that man's love of tweed. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it's very, very uh, fair. Like he pulled it off, but it was just very funny. I've never met someone who's been like, "Oh, I better follow the gentleman's guide." Like both rebelling against the gentleman's guide, but rebelling by wearing tweed is very. That's very fair, funny. Yeah, very different. Well, there's a whole like, there's a whole generation of TikTok guys, right, that yeah. are like reclaiming sort of Mister Toad of Toad Hall style gentleman's yeah. fashion, and I think most of them are like alt right kind of incel dickheads. So. Oh yeah. Um, it all, it's all Peaky Blinders-esque. Yeah. No, but it started Peaky Blinders. Thing yeah, yeah like, that's what it is. It's Peaky Blinders yeah. bullshit. Yeah. Exactly. People are like, I love Peaky Blinders. I'm going to dress like that. But I'm still going to go to the football of the weekend and hurl mugs of people and shit like that. Like um, mugs? Uh, pint glasses? Hurl <laughs> <laughs> mugs of people, yeah. yeah. <laughs> going in with just like a plastic Waitrose bag full of mugs. <laughs> just full of bar for every one of them. Bag leaking. Yeah. <laughs> 
I've got a plastic bag full of Bovril. I've got my mugs. I'm down yeah, to Millwall for a weekend. just lining up like 20 mugs, <laughs> filling them up with Bovril and then cling-filming them right up, ready to sling at a Leeds fan. Now that is the gentleman's grenade. That's what they call it. <laughs> We've got to make that a thing. We've got to make the gentleman's grenade just being a mug, a, a taped-up mug of Bovril. Because the thing is, right, that would... Oh, I'd fucking kill you. I'll fucking kill you if you do that the right way. Yeah. Like, you could knock a cunt out with that, right? You could do real damage with that, and they're going to smell like beef all the way to the hospital. <laughs> right? But that, imagine you walked up behind someone with a, 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 you know, a cling-filmed mug, as you said, full of steaming hot barbell, and crack someone in the back of the and head. glassed them, they're, right? yeah. They're out cold. There's ceramic in their fucking head, and yeah, then there's beef burned. juice dripping into it. Yeah, and their fucking skin's burning They're off. the beefiest motherfuckers that have ever lived. <laughs> the guy leans down like, that's by the order of the gentleman's grenades, mate. <laughs> Somebody get Guy Ritchie's email address. <laughs> We've got big news for him. (laughs) Oh, God. I don't even want to talk about Gone with the Wind, right? Man appears, gets blown away, no one finds him again, done. (laughs) (laughs) Clark Gable's like, where'd that cut go? No one finds him again. Nobody knows. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we've been going for, what, 25 minutes now? Let's talk about Gone with the Wind. Right. Well, oh, last week we did the longest episode hour. Let's do very minimum about the film, and then we'll just talk shit and kill afterwards. So, Describe the poster. <laughs> um, it's it's um, set against sort of a very red and orange kind of fiery backdrop. It probably is a lot of fire. It says mm-hmm. in new screen splendor, the most magnificent picture ever. Gone with the wind is written in like a kind of quite a Western American. I would say font. It kind of looks like a saloon font. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, there is a man with an open shirt and a mustache carrying a lady in a red dress that's falling off. She looks like she's maybe passed out, and he's about to kiss her, which is no good. I'm assuming he's a bad bloke. Um, underneath there are what look like a bunch of soldiers on horseback and another lady. Uh, and then uh, there's another another couple in a wagon. A lot of things look like they're on fire, but at the bottom of the piece, there is what looks like a sort of portal uh, into a uh, more sort of idyllic setting. There's blue sky, there's trees, there's quite a sort of um, kind of American McMansion-looking house you know, uh, with columns, columnades on the porch and so on. And it's this, it's the winner of 10 Academy Awards. And then there's a bunch of actors' names which I'm going to ignore because obviously we're going to cast Jack Black in this. Um, <laughs> my initial read is that this is set in hell, hence all of the uh, fire. I It does, for some reason, give me real cowboy vibes, but I... I know enough to do this is the Wild West film, but it looks really like one from the post. It really is. Yeah, I assumed this was going to be a cowboy movie, uh, but set in hell, and that there's like some sort of portal that opens up to just a normal house. All right, do you reckon um, Jack Black, maybe this is set after the end of The Pick of Destiny, and Jack Black is in hell with the devil and has somehow got through a portal and is like, the only way for you to stay here is you have to get someone to take your place. Yeah, well, I think I think that Jack Black stars as Eric the Wind Julius. Well, right? I was going to say his name's last name's Winder, but everyone calls him Wind. Nice. The yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's a he's kind of like a Zorro esque figure, you know, in the mm. American sort of Wild West. He's like a he he he's a he's a savior of sort of the the downtrodden, and he yeah, comes into yeah. town and he frees all of the indentured uh servants you know and and he and he and he deals with the baddies and then he rides off again uh into the sunset and he always takes a couple of people with him to join his posse and those people are said to be gone with the wind right mm-hmm. oh yeah. uh, did you hear about did you hear about uh pd pd jeff oh pd jeff's gone with the wind and they're like mm. godspeed pd jeff you doing good work out there with jack black the wind maybe they all refer to themselves as the goners that's yes. a cool, like, yeah, yeah. the Gone, yeah, uh, nickname, yeah. 
Eric Wind and the Goners, they're like a band, but they're a posse. Oh, wait, no, but what if they are a band? What if it's like the Hacks Girls? What if, like, after every score, there's a musical number? They do a concert and then they leave, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Eric Wind and the Goners is a great name for a band. Eric Wind and the Goners is the band, and every, yeah, and every time he's like, I want every, you know, if, if you're an able-bodied man and you know how to play the tambourine, <laughs> then you can come and join up with me, Eric Wind, and, and you can be a goner as well. I assume every time they have a concert, Kyle Gass just appears, despite not having been in the film. He just appears and <laughs> plays the guitar. There. Obviously always wearing socks, socks and sandals, as he does in real life. Yeah, well, I think maybe Eric Wind has, like, a horse, a, a special talking horse that's played <laughs> by Kyle Gass. Yeah, and the good. horse plays the drums, I don't know. The <laughs> yeah. horse is in the band, for sure. The horse does that thing though with coconuts that it makes it sound like a horse clopping rather than just use its own hooves. <laughs> it's got yeah. Two coconuts. And it, yeah, and it, it does that in rhythm. And yeah. so I think you can see, right, that maybe down the bottom you've got Eric Wind and the Goners. They've just yeah. come off the back of like a huge show and you can see in the background the stage and the pyrotechnics, you know? Oh, Matt, what about this? What if it is that big portal hop opens, right? What if the portal opens while they're trying to run from the law? Yeah. And they get teleported to this perfect idyllic house and Eric Wind falls in love with this lady, but they don't know how to get back to the Wild West, so his choice is either to leave her forever and go and find his home, or he has to start acclimatizing to the, the fancy ways of her family. I see. But also the goners are all there, right? And they keep causing hijinks and... You know, it's a real fish out of water scenario and like the meeting of two worlds, except Yeah, yeah. And Kyle Gass, the horse, is like doing Scooby Doo <laughs> stuff, eating a big sandwich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I think that's good. Then you can have something where because they're rich, maybe they get robbed at some point and the goners have to save them. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, and maybe like it's, it's a thing where, you know, sort of uh, Eric Wind is always like, well, I go whether I go whether uh, where the wind takes me. You know, and I, I rely on fortune to tell me where I'm most needed. And he sort of ends up in this place by magical means. And he's like, well, I don't know. You know, this, this, is, this here is a, it's a paradise. There's nothing wrong here. What, what would need the attention of Eric Wind and the Garners? Mm -hmm. And then maybe it's like a Footloose style thing where it turns <laughs> out that they, you know, what's needed is not their, uh, it's not their skills with, with, you know, with a six shooter. But it's that um, this guy, the main guy on the front cover here, who I'm, I, th I think is probably evil, is like it's Antonio the... Banderas, definitely. Antonio Banderas is um... HDMI Blackhawk. <laughs> <laughs> Which almost certainly is the name of the computer monitor. <laughs> Jose de Mateo Inglés Blackhawk. And and how about how about how about a, lot, a bit of a bit of irony, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Antonio Banderas plays rhythmic gyrations, the music <laughs> and dance hating father. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, so yeah, rhythmic gyrations who fucking hates like oh. having fun and making music and giving a horse a big sandwich. And then all of these guys turn up on his doorstep and their whole thing is having fun and playing music and giving a horse a big sandwich. But what if his whole family were a travelling band but he rejected them because he wanted to have make business and do business yes. things. And that's how he got stretched. Yeah, but Rhythmic Generation was a big businessman. Yeah. Um, but it, tur it turns out he just couldn't keep rhythm and that's why he hates, he hates music. And also, he was replaced in his band by a horse, which is why he doesn't like horses. <laughs> nice. And so, yeah. And so his family, uh, you know, they're all, um, they want to play music. They want to have fun. But this guy is, he's a, he's a real sort of tyrant of the household. Yeah. Uh, and on his no. whole estate, you know, because he's a big business guy, Rhythmic Gyrations. Well, I reckon owns... his, his family are like a touring band, right? So they're off. He's in charge now. That's the issue, right? That's why he won't allow there to be music in the, the estate, if you put that way. Oh, I see. So he, like, his family have left him, you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the problem. They're all gone and he's Right, and he music. lives alone in the big house. No, well, maybe with your woman here, whatever you call her. We haven't yeah. named the female character. And then these people appear through the portal, and he's like, no, they can't be here. They are playing music. They're feeding the horse a big sandwich. <laughs> 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 
I don't know why he's a bit French, but as we've learned from many episodes, our accents are quite limited. <laughs> yeah, we, we do have limited range when it comes yeah. to most things, really. Yeah. So, yeah, the conflict is that, that they've got this, there's this sort of plantation of put down, uh, you know, everyone's, everyone's like reasonably happy and healthy. <laughs> I love that the, the stakes of this film are just like, there's <laughs> zero stakes. They're all just like, yeah, this is actually quite a nice job. He pays as well. It's cool. We just yeah. wish we could, like, we just wish we could have a party. He's like, yeah. no parties. But Maybe like he's even of... like, if you want parties, you just go off the. You've got to go into town to have a party. And like, oh, but we want a we want a house party. I want to yeah. I want to practice the guitar in my house. And he's like, well, you can't. If you're going to practice the guitar, you can't have the house that I give you for free. <laughs> and Jack Black's like, I'm not taking this. This guy's a fucking square. He's just like well, a nice man who just doesn't like music. Yeah, it's just some of those people who can't deal with sound from more than one place at a time, right? Like, it just upsets them. It's like, it's just too much going on. But also, crucially, I think we are also aware of the fact that the Goners have come through a magical portal and are not near their home and do have to get home, which is the other... That is a slight conflict. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, know, at how... the end of the day, they're the Goners. They go where the wind takes them. And yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. their catchphrase. Yeah. Um... That- there could be a nice argument at some point where some maybe at one point someone slams him and goes, Well, gosh darn, maybe I don't want to go where the wind takes me no more. And then Jack Black and him have a tender moment. Yeah, well maybe well maybe that like a couple of them have been seduced by the stable lifestyle and well paid like mm. uh job with benefits that you get from rhythmic gyrations. Yeah. They're and they're like, Well maybe it would be shit, worth you know? Maybe it would be worth giving up playing the castanets for Eric Wind and the Goners to have a house instead of just a bedroll and to not have to feed a horse a big sandwich every day. Yeah, I I think that's a good good setup. Whatever has happened, they've robbed a bank or some shit. They've gone through a magical portal. They've met this family who have generally been quite receptive to them, but they're just like, but there cannot be any music. There's no music whatsoever. And some of the band have got jobs cleaning hooves and, you know, like reshoeing horses and yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. And like picking, you know, tending to the orchards and yeah. building barns and so on. Just like farm, you know, farm yeah. labor. And it's hard work, but it's honest. And it's yeah, well and they, paid and they're given a house, you know, they're given they lodgings. They all get to have big sleepovers every night and their big bunk beds and things like that. Yeah, and rhythmic gyrations <laughs> will come round and he'll tuck them in and be like, yeah. remember, no dreaming about singing. <laughs> and he's like, would you like a lullaby to go to bed? They'll look at each other like, uh, yes. And he just goes, I fucking want you. This yeah, and he fires, maybe that's what, and he goes, that's like a little test that he does. And yeah. everyone, anyone who says yes, he fires them on the spot. Everyone he says every time they say yes, he just gets up silently, walks to the door, and he's like, "Well, that was a test." And he opens the door, and there's a huge pot of popcorn. And he's like, "I guess I'll be eating this on my own." And then closes the door, and all the dollars <laughs> like, "Oh no, I'm not gonna get any popcorn." <laughs> um, then the next room, he or he's just leaning against the door, chewing it really loudly so they can hear the yeah. popcorn. So maybe the thing is that it, it's it's not that rhythmic gyrations needs to like learn his lesson and come to appreciate the dance and the music but that eric Wynn needs to learn that sometimes it's okay not to be partying <laughs> oh, eric Wynn that... has to learn to be like respectful of other people oh maybe the actual plot then is just he has to decide whether he loves um female protagonist so much that he's willing to give up the party and looting lifestyle to be with her and then at their wedding Maybe like well, whenever like the the final year married or something, you just hear like a guitar in the back row and that's Antonio Banderas plays them one song to show that the meeting of the worlds, you know, they've all come together. And mm. he's like, but only one. And, and then you can we see like tears running down his face. Yeah. And as he finishes the last note, he has a heart attack from like the <laughs> sheer discomfort of what he's doing. <laughs> and he falls forward onto the guitar. The guitar goes straight through him. <laughs> Oh, what a metaphor. <laughs> and then cuts away and it's Sean William Scott. <laughs> now that's a callback. Sorry, I know. I know we're not allowed to do that. I'm sorry. We're <laughs> <laughs> referencing episodes people may not have listened to. <laughs> yeah, every episode is somebody's first. And if it's this one, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, sorry about that. Sorry, we don't like Sean William Scott for some reason. <laughs> no, we've taken against him. Also, Orson yeah. Welles. 
Yeah, what a cunt. Big um, fucking stupid arse. Fucking dumb cunt. Fucking stupid. And who else? James Franco? James Franco we don't like. Yeah, but, everyone, but everyone's against James Franco. <laughs> no one likes James Franco. Do you know who likes James Franco? Stoners with bad opinions on comedies. That's true. And James Franco, probably. And probably Dave Franco, I imagine, a bit. I don't know. I feel like Dave Franco probably doesn't. Yeah, good. Well, that's good to know. If I was Dave Franco, I wouldn't like James Franco. Yeah. Just well, because, I mean, like, you'd always have people going up to you going, hey, it's James Franco. <laughs> right? You'd be yeah. mistaken because he looks quite like James Franco and James Franco yeah. is much more famous. He would be mistaken for James Franco so often. Dave Franco looks like he's the before on a drug awareness poster and that James Franco is the after. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, yeah, I think that's accurate. So I, the setup, I guess, is this. Uh, Eric Wind and the Goners, they go from town to town, they right wrongs, they solve crimes, they eat big sandwiches, and maybe they don't go through a portal. Maybe one day they just, they've ridden out a bit far into the desert, they get lost, they've been wandering for ages, and then they come upon this, like, in the middle of nowhere, this, you know, it's almost like an oasis in the desert, this sort of farming community where uh, everything's great and everybody's, you know got enough to eat and to drink and they're happy, but there's no ribaldry, there's no partying, there's new music allowed and they come in and they yeah. disrupt this thing. And mm. Rhythmic Gyrations is the leader who won't yeah. allow any music in the place. Um, and, can you know, I, he's can like... Can I name his daughter, please? Yes, of course. Peggy Molasses. And Peggy Molasses, knee gyrations. Uh... <laughs> I think Peggy Molasses is a good name. <laughs> it is. It's a very good name. Yeah. 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 Peggy Molasses sees Jack Black on his magical talking horse that eats big sandwiches. And mm-hmm. she goes, that's the life I want. I want to be one of the goners, you know? Mm. Maybe they're like, maybe they're like, we've heard of you. We've heard of you, Eric Wind and your goners. And Rhythmic Gyrations is like, you, you know, I know you guys, you've got a reputation you try to do good and I respect that. So I will allow you to stay. But please respect my wishes that there is to me no music. And Jack Black's like, I, w- I, w- I will not be doing that. <laughs> no, Jack Black's like, I will not be doing that. Scooby Doo Baboon. Yeah. Well, and maybe. His I fingers think, are all over the place. <laughs> here, I think maybe is where the portals come in, right? Yeah. Because this is just like a, a, a happy Western town. It's all good. And there's people waving to each other and doffing their bowler hats in the streets and so on. Yeah. Trundling by with big like bags with dollar signs on them. And, yeah, yeah. you know, shooting their guns in the air and doing a little dance in the street. <laughs> Honky tonk <laughs> yeah. pianos in the saloon bars. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's all for, um, you know, the, what, what we don't know is that there's been a curse on the town. Oh, okay. Right, or that maybe, maybe this, maybe um, Rhythmic Gyrations made a deal a long time ago with some sort of demon. Maybe his daughter, Peggy Molasses, was real sick, dying mm. even, right? His whole family. You know, he'd, 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 he'd bought this piece of land in the hopes that it would have like gold on it and that he could make a life and be rich, but it all went to shit and him and his family were there and his family were dying off one by one and it was him and his daughter and she was going to be the last one to go when he makes a deal, you know? Maybe he's in there, he's desperately digging at the rock and he like breaks into like this, he's dig, dug too deep, he breaks into this place where he shouldn't have done and something from the dark says to him, I can save I can save your daughter. But the price that I ask from you is that you've got to remove, you know, that you've got to remove the joy of of music from the world. <laughs> right? One person at a time, you know, your 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 farm is going to be great, you're going to be your daughter will be healthy and you'll gather people to you and you will spread this sort of gospel of no singing, right? I think that was good because then you could have a little bit later on as well where Jack Black talks and be like, but the rest of the world's still full of music. How have you got away with it? And then you can have like a genuine touching moment where he's like, for you see, Eric, she is my world. Like about his daughter. It's like, so yeah, as long as exactly. she doesn't yeah, sing, yeah, yeah. she stays alive kind of thing. And so, and, and, and that's what it is, right? Because Jack Black and his bunch of, uh, of, of 
uh, winders or whatever we called them. Goners. Goners <laughs> turn up and Rhythmic Gyrations is like, and maybe there was a point, you know, Rhythmic Gyrations was like the most musical man you could ever hope to meet. Yeah. Music was his one, you know, his 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 great love, right? Mm-hmm. It was it was music and his daughter were his two great loves and he had to, you know, this demon made him choose, right? And um, Jack Black and his goners have been there for about three minutes and they start like, right and and rhythmic gyrations is like please you absolutely cannot play music on my farm that's the one thing i ask of you uh i can see that you're lost you're tired you're hungry my farm is yours do what you want with it. you know eat what you want take what you want you know rest up i'll find places for you to sleep uh you can be comfy here and, t- and i'll point you back in the direction of civilization you just can't play a concert here mm. eric wind and eric wind's like well, I see what's going on here. This is a footloose situation, <laughs> yeah. Where we've got to we've got to bring dance back to the town. That's why Providence has brought me here. I didn't re- I didn't understand why I've been brought here mm-hmm. by fate, but now I understand. We've got to play the biggest concert we've ever played, and they do. And they start playing the big concert, and rhythmic gyrations runs out screaming. He's like, "No, no, stop, stop, stop!" And the ground starts cracking. And suddenly this big demon comes out and they're like, ah, oh, rhythmic gyrations, you cunt, you've broken our agreement. And now I'm taking Peggy Molasses back to hell. And they do. Um, and rhythmic gyrations is like, Jack Black, Eric Wind, you cunt. Mm. You've got to go to hell now and save my daughter. <laughs> do you know what? Not being funny, if you told me there was a film I could watch where Antonio Banderas, Jack Black and a talking horse went down the river sticks to, yeah. to save someone from hell, I'd be fucking all over that. And it's a rock musical. Yeah. I like the idea of the two of them just in a little boat on the river sticks, just like paddling down. And then just further behind them on another boat, there's just the horse. But because it has no hands, it's just kind of drifting lazily to the side yeah. of the horse. Like, horse like, Eric? <laughs> well, the, or the horse is like, the horse is like lying on the canoe with all four legs, like off the side, just paddling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, maybe, and, maybe, maybe and then he's Jack just Black like, and, I I... Jack Black and Rhythmic Gyrations are just like paddling in silence. Yeah. And then Rhythmic Gyrations goes like, I fucking told you not to play music and just like, oh, yeah. fucking get off my back, dude. I know. All right, I well, fucked her. That actually is a very Jack Black thing to be like, get off my back. All right. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, like, really exactly. like, on the top. If you said there was a demon. Yeah. Uh, but I like maybe they're just like whenever they're up on the surface before they come down because the big crack, like he looks down, sees the river and he just grabs Antonio Banderas like, you want to save your daughter? We got to go now. And they jump in. But he forgets that he's got the little like rope that you attach your horse around him. So that the horse just like goes in after him also. And he's like, What am I gonna do with a horse down here? <laughs> Fucking river I think that's kinda like then a bit of conflict comedy yeah. here. And Kyle yeah, and Kyle Gashorse is constantly yeah. complaining about the lack of big sandwiches in hell. <laughs> yeah. That's like the he's like, Can I get a big sandwich now? And they're like, No, <laughs> Kyle Gashorse. We're yeah. in hell. Uh, I like then you can just have a little bit where like they have to go through all the seven layers of hell. Do you know what I mean? And you can maybe do like a bit of a montage for some of them, but like maybe in each one of them they have to do another challenge to get to the next yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then maybe like, but like one of them's uh, gluttony, and he's like, if you want to get it, you've got to eat the biggest sandwich you've ever seen. And they all just look around to the horse, and the horse is like, oh, really <laughs> his hooves come up to his cheeks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like he's just like it is astounded at how happy he is. Yeah. So like they have to pass all these tests, and then finally they get to level seven of hell, and it's literally just. I was gonna say it's Hades from Hercules, but that's James Woods, and I think James Woods is a bad man. I think. I mean, certainly like a dickhead, if nothing else. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it's Keanu's the devil. Keanu would good? make a good devil, I think, or um, Peter Stormare, who was the devil. Oh no, it's in Peter Stormare. Constantine, yeah, who is great. Yeah. I love Peter Stormare. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's Peter Stormare, who also has been in a film with Jack Black before. He's in Nacho Libre for about 10 seconds, and he tells him to eat the eagle egg. And then ah. Nacho says, will that give me powers? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's pretty much all he said. <laughs> nice. I feel like we want to do something more with uh, Peg- with with Peggy Molasses, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, and, and, uh, I wonder if we can sort of do some sort of like twist with Peggy, who is going to be played by 
Are you pointing to me? Hannah Spearing from S Club 7. Hannah Spearing from S Club 7. Great. Yeah, because then we can get some musical numbers in with her as well. Yeah, that's uh, what I was trying to think of. I need to pick someone musical, but not too expensive. Because as you pointed out, all of our films are always are insanely expensive. Yeah, heavy on A-list stars. <laughs> yeah. And we've already got Antonio Banderas and Jack Black. All about this, right? What if, what if being the devil is like a Santa Claus situation, right? Okay. And every time the devil is killed, someone else has to replace them. But what if it turns out that Antonio Banderas is the one who killed the devil, but Peter Stormare got trapped down there? Right? So he's taken Peggy as, like, he's been put this curse on Peggy as the devil to mm-hmm. punish Antonio. And then maybe you can have a thing where Peggy starts being like, well, this isn't fair. Like, you shouldn't be down here. Then maybe she takes the devil side or the demon side of the argument. Do you know what I mean? So then whenever Jack Black and Antonio finally get there, there's like conflict because she's like, Dad, he shouldn't be here. You Like, you shouldn't have done this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And you can have some conflict there. That's nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, so... I remember they get down and she's killed him but doesn't realise that when you kill him you become the demon and said she, she is stuck there now. Rhythm, rhythmic Gyrations has been to hell before. I would say maybe he just killed it on the surface or something, do you know I mean? Like, it was just roaming about, and he was like, oh, Jesus, what's that? And just killed it. And then, like, it was a Santa <laughs> Claus situation. The devil was just, like, hanging around. <laughs> yeah. On it was the like a Santa Claus situation, and someone came to put the Santa Claus coat on him, and he threw it onto Peter Stormare's dead, and then he gets sucked down to It's hell like a devil like went down to Georgia situation, where... The devil was waiting at the crossroads for a soul for a soul to steal, and then Rhythmic yeah. Gyrations just ran him over with a cart, <laughs> yeah. and then threw Peter Stormare on top. You can see, like, you get a flashback where the Rhythmic Gyrations is just like going down the road on his cart, just like twiddling away on like a guitar, and the devil yeah. jumps out and he just doesn't notice, and the horse just <laughs> yeah. walks over him, and you see yeah. all the cart just get and, and then, then he, like a little he, while later, he goes, you see. Yeah, he says, Peter, will you check what that is? And Peter Stormare's like, I'll fucking do it. I'm not fine. I'll check. And then he goes out and he gets Santa Claus into being the devil. And maybe maybe uh, Rhythmic Generations doesn't even know this because all he knows is his friend got out of the cabin and disappeared. Never came back. Yeah. Yeah. So then there's a whole another bit of conflict you can have there as well. That's true. Yeah. And he was, yeah. So he's at the beginning where he's like, my whole family and also my best friend. Peter Stormare, mm. um, Jitterbug Boogie. <laughs> yeah, that's his full name, yeah. My friend Jitterbug. <laughs> yeah, rhythmic and Jitterbug against the world, as they used to say. Yeah. You know? Do you know what's really exciting to imagine the end of this? is There's a big shot of Jack Black playing the guitar, Hannah Spearing singing, Antonio Banderas on bass, and Peter Stormare drums at the top. It just says Eric Wind on the Goddards. It's like, <laughs> that's the final shot of the film. Yeah. But so so maybe then Peter Stormare is the one that tricked Rhythmic Gyrations, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe he's the one who made the deal. Peter Stormare was like, oh, well, I'm going to... Rhythmic Gyrations fucked me over, right? He didn't, he didn't know, but that doesn't matter to me. I'm the yeah. devil now because I've got the devil's coat. Coat. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go up there now and I'm going to fuck with him and then I'm going to make a deal that, you know, because I'm the devil, yeah. that... You know, one way or the other, he's going to lose the thing he loves most, right? He's either going to lose his music or he's going to lose his daughter. It's a real catch-22. It's a Sophie's choice. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. And so he goes up there and he starts, you know, fucking with, uh, with rhythmic gyrations. He starts making his farm bad and, and, and killing his livestock and so on. And then he makes the deal. And he's like, ha, 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 ha I've ruined your life, rhythmic gyrations. I'm Peter Stormare and this is my revenge. Yeah, And so then when this happens and he takes away Hannah Spearing, Peggy Molasses, he sees another choice where he's like, if I can get Peggy Molasses to kill me. Oh, then I don't have to be the devil anymore. Then I'll go. T- yeah. Uh, um, then, I, then I can just like go. My spirit will be free. And my revenge on rhythmic gyrations will be complete. And so you see, as Jack Black and, and uh, Antonio Banderas are fighting with demons and eating a re- the biggest sandwich you've ever seen and aren't, you know, doing really difficult quizzes, <laughs> you see that Peter Stormare's working his devilish tricks on Hannah Spearing Peggy Molasses. And you see that she's not 
entirely, you know, she's a bit wise to it. But she's also, crucially, she's been so repressed by her father, you know, not being able to sing, not being able to do anything she wanted to, that she actually quite likes sort of being a bit mm. being a bit bad and you know you can see that he's like oh pitchfork this guy and she does yeah. and she's kind of like oh this is quite fun you know my i've been i've been repressed for so long that now i'm acting out in a way that my- maybe is over the top and that i wouldn't have done had i just been allowed to live like a normal life but i i think this is very good can i suggest a huge twist that happens like simultaneously with this mm mm-hmm. So while Hannah Sparing is being like, oh, maybe I like being good, maybe I like being good, Jack Black and Antonio Banderas get into the room, right? And they're looking over a rock to see him, and Anto- uh, Rhythmic Generations is like, oh, no, she's being so bad. What's she doing? And Jack Black says to him, he's trying to get her to kill him so he doesn't have to be the devil anymore. And then Rhythmic Generations is like, how do you know that? And Jack Black just looks away. And then it flashes back and you realize the devil they killed at the start was Jack Black. Holy shit. And he's been freed again. So he knows what's going to happen. And he's like, he's like, how the fuck do you think I got a talking horse? You think just normal people have talking <laughs> horses? <laughs> it's like, it was the devil. Baby. Yeah, I've been trying to, I've been trying to, and that's why he's been going around doing all this stuff. He's like, I felt so guilty about being my time as the devil when my soul was freed. Yeah. That I had to go out and do as much good as I possibly could. And listen, Antonio Banderas, you can't let your daughter become the devil. Yeah. You know, and he goes out. <laughs> like, Trust me, man, I did it and it's bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, I did not like it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's good. I think this is a perfect little like conflict final scene resolution here. Yeah, and so and and maybe sort of the upshot of it all is that um Antonio Banderas steps out, you know, mm-hmm. and, he's, and, and, he, and he faces down his daughter who he's kept repressed, you know, out of love. But he's done, mm-hmm. you know, he's been bad to her, really. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and also his friend, Peter Stormare, who he left for dead to become the yeah. new devil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he has to atone for his mistakes, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe this is the point at which he... Um, sings a song and that's what gets through to Peggy he sings a song where he apologizes and he's like you know this is a song that I used to sing for your mother and I want to sing it for you now before you kill Peter Stormare and become the devil just you know because uh, and I know that's my fault and I'm sorry and just let me sing you know this one time for you in a way that I've always wanted to but I've never been able to because of this curse you know, I assume the song is "Hero" by Enrique Iglesias. The song is "Hero" by Enrique Iglesias, <laughs> yeah. um, and you can see her face softening. And you know, at the end of it, he says, "I love you, Peggy." You know, and you can see that even Peter Stormare, even the devil's a little bit moved. Peggy's got tears in her eyes, and she's like, "I love you too, Papa," but I can't live this. I can't live your life anymore. I gotta go away and do my own thing, and if that means being the devil. Well, that's what that means, you know? And she turns around and she's accepted. She's, she, she has chosen, right? She's made her choice. She wants to be the devil. And Antonio Banderas says, the, you know, the hurt in his eyes and he realizes what he's got to do. And he takes the guitar that he was using to play Hero with Enrique Iglesias and you see him leap past Peggy and he just like clubs Peter Stormare to death with his guitar. <laughs> Like it's not even sudden. It's like a real fucking like patch, yeah, patch, yeah. patch. The first bit sudden, but Peter Storm has not dead for a while. Yeah. Um, and Perry's Pe- like, part no. <laughs> this is I don't want this. <laughs> yeah, because maybe she wasn't even gonna right. She was yeah. like, what, what? What are you doing? Yeah. I just wanted to poke another guy with a pitchfork before we went home. You psychopath. <laughs> I don't really like the idea of, of her and. Uh, Eric Winder just kind of like covering their mouths, like shocked. And then the camera just pans behind them. You see him, you see Rhythmic Jerry stand up with the big red devil coat on. Yeah. And you know, and he just kind of like, he like pulls it tight, like the collar flicks up as you imagine, like never someone's getting ready to go out yeah. kind of thing. And he just turns around and he's like, I love you very much, Peggy. Gives her one kiss on the cheek and he just clicks his fingers and the two of them are just up in the house again. Mm. And all the goners are just like, 
Gee, Eric, we didn't know where you went. We just started fucking about. And this is just a fucking. The tip. places are absolute like shit. Yeah. There's like beer bottles There's drugs everywhere. everywhere. Yeah, yeah. The house has been like burned down. He's like, the fuck did you guys do? I really like the idea as well. Like, maybe there's like a real nice reconciliation here where like she's sad, her dad's gone, but they're like, well, at least we can live our life happily now. And then it just cuts back down to hell. And, and, and Rhythm Victory is still just. Fuck. Sorry, Rhythm Victory is still just clicking, you know, trying to get something to work. And it just pans over and the horse yeah. is still there. And it's just like. Uh, <laughs> uh, Kyle <laughs> Gas like, Horse is just, stuck yeah. in hell. And he's just clicking, trying to get the horse. He's like, I, I swear this hasn't happened to me before. And the horse is like, I can just go. And he's like, No, you can't, dude. Maybe, There's no way to maybe walk the, out. <laughs> Maybe the final scene pre credits is that, you know, Peggy Molasses becomes a goner, right? She's like, yeah. my pa paid the ultimate sacrifice that he didn't have to pay because I wasn't going to do it <laughs> so that I could go out and see the world. Uh, Eric Wind, and you're going to fucking show it to me. You take your goners and you and me are going to ride out of here and we're going to play music for the whole world. And Eric Wind is like, cool, that's nice. Can we do smooches? And she's like, Absolutely not. <laughs> and he's like, all right, well, let's go then. And he walks out and realizes the horse is there. And he's like, where the fuck's my horse? And like, that's the last line. Where the fuck's my horse? Right. And it cuts to hell again. And you see that, um, you see that rhythmic gyrations is dead on the ground. <laughs> And you see and the horse yeah, strength. You see into frame come two hooves that pick up the coat and put it on Kyle Gas horse, who clops his trotters, and the biggest fucking sandwich you've ever seen in your life appears. And he goes, It's good to be the devil. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah, that is good. I like that. Uh, what do you reckon the closing song is? Because that's to be a Jack Black. Oh, it's just Highway to Hell, isn't it? It probably is Highway to Hell. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Right, would you like the real plot? Yeah, go on then. How how close would you say at this point, without knowing anything, how close do you reckon it is? Here's what I'll say. I think in broad strokes, we might be all right. I think that probably a new person comes into a community where there is a free-spirited young person and their uptight, controlling dad who's probably also a community leader. Yeah. And that, that causes conflict within the community and mm -hmm. film ensues. Uh, just before I begin, I'd like you to know this is by far the biggest cast I've ever seen of any film. And I would also like you to know I've read one word that is highlighted and it's upsetting and I'm worried about what the plot's going to be about this film. All right, let's go! <laughs> In 1861, on the eve of the American Civil War, Scarlett O'Hara lives at Tara, her family's cotton plantation in Georgia. With her parents and two sisters and their many black slaves, Scarlett is deeply attracted to Ashley Wilkes and learned that he is meant to be married to his cousin, Melanie Hamilton. They're attractive cousins. They, hang on, so... Wait. Slave-owning lady fancies this other man, but he's married to his cousin. He's about to marry his cousin. Cool. Good. Fine. I see no problem with any of this so far. Let's go. It's a very, in a very intense start, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> At an engagement party the next day at Ashley's home, Twelve Oaks, which is a nearby plantation, Scarlet makes an advance on Ashley but is rebuffed. However, she catches the attention of another guest, Rhett Butler. The party is disrupted by news of President Lincoln's call for volunteers to fight the South, and the Southern men rush to enlist in defense of the South. In a bid to arouse jealousy in Ashley, Scarlet marries Melanie's younger brother, Charles, before he leaves to fight. This fucking cunt loves everyone. So She's already had three partners of, in the first fucking paragraph. The protagonists of this story, our heroes, are all slave-owning confederates. Yes. Hooray! And, and marrying their cousins, Marry, I Cousin-marrying slave-owning confederates. <laughs> our heroes, yeah. everybody. Yeah. Following Charles' death while serving in the Confederate States Army, Scarlett's mother sends her to the Hamilton home in Atlanta, where she creates a scene by attending a charity bazaar in, the mo in her morning attire and waltzing with Rat, now a blockade runner for the Confederacy. God, this is... I, I don't want to watch this ever. No. <laughs> the tide of the war turns against the Confederacy after the Battle of Gettysburg. Oh no, not our heroes, the Confederates. <laughs> what will yeah. we do? 
<laughs> which many of Scarlet's town are killed. Eight months later, as the city is besieged by the Union Army in Atlanta, Melanie gives birth with Scarlet's aid, and Red helps them flee the city. What is? What the fuck's? Ha- Nothing in this is is anything is led on to anything. It's literally just like I fancy my cousin. I'm gonna marry this man. He's dead, and I'm gonna fucking party with somebody else. I'm gonna baby. Right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. I'm just. I hate whatever the plot things like this don't actually explain anything that's happening. <laughs> Once out of the city, Rat chooses to go off and fight, leaving Scarlet to make her own way back to Tara. Upon her return home, Scarlet finds the Tara is deserted except for her father, her sisters, and former slaves, Mammy and Pork. Christ alive. Sorry, what were those names? Mammy and Pork. Cool. Scarlet learns that her mother has just died of typhoid fever. <laughs> Scarlet learns that her mother has died of typhoid fever and her father has lost his mind. <laughs> With Tara pillaged by Union troops and the fields untended, Scarlet vows to ensure the survival of herself and her family. As the O'Hara's toil in the cotton fields, Scarlet's father attempts to chase away a carpet beggar from his land and is thrown from his horse and killed. With the defeat of the Confederacy, Ashley has returned but finds he of his little help at Tara. When Scarlet begs him to run away with her, he confesses his, his desire for her and kisses her passionately, but says he cannot leave his beautiful cousin Melanie. <laughs> Unable to pay the reconstructionist taxes imposed on Tara, Scarlet dupes her sister Sue Ellen's fiance. The middle-aged and wealthy general store owner, Frank Kennedy, into marrying her by saying Sue Ellen got tired of waiting and married another man. Frank, Ashley Rat, and several other accomplices make a night raid on a shanty town after Scarlet is attacked while driving through it alone, resulting in Frank's death. Shortly after Frank... What the fuck is happening here? Every cunt's dying. I'm lost, man. (laughs) Everybody's dead. Everyone's marrying their cousins. There's a guy called Pork. (laughs) Shortly after Frank's funeral, Rat proposes to Scarlet and she accepts. Rat and Scarlet have a daughter who Rat names Bonnie Blue. That does sound like one of our names. I'm going to give us a percent at least for that. Sure, yeah. But Scarlet still pines for Ashley and, chagrined at the perceived ruin of her figure, refuses to have any more children or share a bed with Rat. <laughs> I don't want to get fat. <laughs> one day at Frank's Mill, Scarlet and Ashley are seen embracing by Ashley's sister India. Harboring an intense dislike of Scarlet, India eagerly spreads rumours. Later, that's not rumours, that, you did say that. Later that evening, Rat, having heard the removers, forces Scarlet to attend a birthday party for Ashley. Melanie, however, stands by Scarlet. After returning home from the party, Scarlet finds Rat downstairs drunk, and they argue about Ashley. Rat kisses Scarlet against her will, stating his intent uh, to have sex that night. Next paragraph, because I'm not going to finish the current paragraph wrong. Uh-huh. The next day, Rat apologizes for his behavior and offers Scarlet a divorce, which she rejects, saying that it would be a disgrace. When Rat returns from her extended trip to London and England, Scarlet informs him that she is pregnant, but an argument ensues which results in her falling downstairs and suffering a miscarriage. Fucking hell! Old movies, what the fuck? When you hear the start of this next sentence, right? As she is recovering, tragedy strikes again. Fuck me! <laughs> Bonnie dies while attempting to jump a fence with her pony. That's her daughter. <laughs> sure, why not? Scarlet and Red visit Melanie, who has suffered complications arising from a new pregnancy on her deathbed. Fucking hell! As Scarlet consoles Ashley, Red prepares to leave Atlanta, having realised that it was him, not Ashley, she truly loved all along. Scarlet pleads with Red to stay, but he rebuffs her and walks away into the morning fog. A distraught Scarlet returns home and vows to win Red back. The end. What the, what, what the fuck? <laughs> How is that a classic? Every every paragraph of that, they introduced a new character who was then killed, and then yeah. at the end, everything possibly bad you could happen happened. What were movies doing back then? Yeah, I know we kind of joked when we did Citizen Kane about old films being bad, but like that that is bad. Like that that doesn't Surely. sound unless we're missing so much context from that synopsis. Unless their acting in it is so mind-bogglingly good, which I don't mean this in a rude way, but I've seen old acting, it's not good. It's not good. <laughs> no. yeah. So, yeah, yeah, well, that was, um, I don't know, I didn't retain any yeah, of that. Yeah, bad. But 
the one positive that we can take away from the actual plot of Gone with the Wind is that a lot of bad things happen to a lot of Confederates. Yeah, that's true. Oh yeah, I guess if we watch it with the mindset that all these people are racist, it is a good film. Are, are racist slave owners, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So fuck them. I'm glad all that stuff happened. I hope Pork got out alright. I hope Pork got out alright. Yeah. Fuck, I hear that. That should be the one post-credits. If that's not the post-credits scene of Gone with the Wind. It's pork and whatever the old one was called, just like chilling Ma- with a mammy. margarita. <laughs> pork and mammy chilling with a margarita. That's that would make it a good movie if that was the ending scene. Laughing at Scarlet and her dumb fucking yeah, exactly. Loving ways. <laughs> Laughing at Scarlet's seventeenth husband <sighs> leaves her because she still wants to marry the incest guy. Yeah, <laughs> the incest guy. I never want to talk about this film again. <laughs> no, quite. <laughs> anyway i don't think we need any discussion really of whether our film was better it was but tell us specifically what was your least favorite part of the actual plot of come with the wind at flickpod69 uh on instagram and twitter is it back oh yeah we got suspended didn't we yeah we, we got suspended before we posted a single thing because our <laughs> name was flickpod69 i think they thought it was a, a count specifically about master music. yeah maybe i can see how they'd think that yeah Anyway, are we done? Are you done here? Are we all done here? Yeah, I think we're done. Follow us on the socials. Matt's Music House, Macaroni Prince. You know how it is. Uh, and we'll see you next time for more bad old movies. Yeah, well, maybe maybe we'll vap them next time. Eh. It's a good day to be a bad boy. <laughs> but it's always a great day to be a poster boy. Like, get out of here, you, hey, you rascals. Sc- get on, get on, get on. Get out of here. See you next time. <laughs> 